Hello, and welcome to this edition of the Domestic Game Podcast. We're your hosts, Joe Kinahan, Kelly Dwyer, and a special guest, Irish Wolfhounds coach and Dublin Rebels head coach, Andre Barlaffa. Good evening. Let's get down to it. Right. Flag football. We may <laughs> maybe have gone off a little bit and shifted our focus onto a couple of different things. Obviously, with the Kitted Wolfhounds game coming up, we gave a bit of a spotlight on that. But let's get back to our roots here. We obviously did a bit of a preview before the season, but we kind of fell off the, the ball a bit now, if we're being honest with ourselves, Kelly. <laughs> we fell off it a, a little bit, but you know, I think it's all right now because, I mean, we're going to make up for that big time just with all of the best content. <laughs> and we have Andre here to help us out with that. And like, what better person on an episode of podcast covering Irish American football? Only Andre Barlapa, who is just involved in flag, involved in kiddish. Um, so Andre, absolutely uh, delighted to have you on the show. And thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Kelly. It's nice to be here as well. So this season. Joe, I was gonna say just to um just like a random random fact just before we kind of kick off into the, the AFI stuff, right? So I'll be quite honest and say that like I'm not great at following up with the flag football all the way here from Singapore and it's not easy to follow up with it from here either, right? Because it happens so quick, so fast. It's one weekend goes and like ten games have been played. So so it's not so easy to follow it, but what I am doing is playing a little bit of flag football over here, right? And I just came out of a strict mixed flag football league, and I did a previous flag football tournament in two months ago in Ho Chi Minh. And I can tell you that over this side of the world, some of the best female flag football players come from Malaysia, right? And how the teams in Malaysia recruit females onto their team, because I know that this is something that players and clubs have asked about how to get females involved. They use Tinder. Unreal. (laughs) I'm not even joking. They have a Malaysian flag football, like Tinder account. They will match with women on it. And then they will say, hey, why don't you come up to training? Why don't you uh, join us on Thursday or whatever out or whatever pitch and uh, give Flag Football a go? And that has proved to be very, very effective. So for any, uh, I, I mean, I tried to get this going in Singapore, but all the guys are, are either married or in relationships, so they're not OK with having <laughs> Tinder again. <laughs> they will be killed. But any like single young men in Flag Football, clubs in Ireland uh, that want to recruit women into their clubs try that see if it works I love how this is an endorsement from like an official AFI board member Ian, <laughs> Aiden, get your shit together get on tinder start recruiting some members we need yeah <laughs> <laughs> I mean exactly. look if it works it works fair enough <laughs> I heard you've not uh, you've not done too bad in those tournaments either potential um, gold yeah. medal at the, the weekend Yes, we did. We won the gold on the weekend. So we were delighted. A lot of fun. That one was in the Philippines. Very, very good crack. And the one before that, it was actually the other Singapore Otters team that we sent that won won the gold in that. They had just beaten us, I think, by one point in the playoffs on the very last play of the day. So that was a, a close few one. So we're not doing too badly. So we're not. I am absolutely loving it. Really, really am. It's, it's it's great fun. So I hope that you're having as much fun 
playing flag at home is what I'm having playing it abroad. Well, it sounds like it's been just as uh, just as competitive, to be honest. There's a lot of uh, a lot of close games, a lot of close standings actually. Uh, as you look towards either divisions that have already wrapped up or groups that are kind of near the end and a couple teams are still alive. If you look towards, again, just to kind of what I've experienced firsthand in Premier Division North, the last game day there on the 15th, Trojans, Hurricanes and Vipers all playing two games each to keep their playoff hopes alive. And I'll tell you what, some games played. I think as far as I can remember, every game was, I think, within 10 points. And I know both Hurricanes games were within a touchdown. It was a fantastic day of, of flag football now, if I'm honest. And, you know, that kind of competitiveness, you could see it on the field, how much it meant to everyone to try and push themselves into those playoff spots as as much as possible. But, I mean, in the end, you have the Vipers clinching their playoff spot. Uh, They finished six and four uh, in the second seed in the Premier Division North. Obviously, Craig Avon walking away with a 10 and 0. I don't think that was really too much in doubt from the beginning, even from the beginning of the season. But they've well and truly earned their spot there. I know it's been a bit of a, a discussion as well about who goes through and how does the playoff system work. I'll, I'll kind of just explain that a little bit. So, yeah, I can't remember if we botched it the first in the preview episode, but we know it, we know it for sure now. Um, <laughs> so in both in Premier Division and in Division 1, you have your North and South groups. So your number one and number two seed in each North and South, they both go through and then... Both of those one and two seeds from North and South, they are reseeded based on their regular season performance. So you would then be reseeded into one, two, three, and four, and then it's one place four, two place three. So you could have a, a scenario where North one seed plays the North two seed in the semifinal, or the North one seed could play the South two seed. Uh, it all depends oh. on your regular season performance. So say, for example, in the Premier Division, uh, I don't think all four spots are locked up just yet. I think there's still one or two. The the second seed in Premier Division South is still up for grabs. But let's just say, for instance, as we're looking now on Tuesday the 18th, and we have the Raptors in the second seed, let's say they win one of their last two games, they'd be seven and three. So... Uh, the Panthers, Raptors, Craig Avon, and Vipers would go through. The Vipers there would be the lowest uh, seeded of those four teams. So they'd be the fourth. Then it, in that situation, it'd be the Raptors, then the Panthers, and the Cowboys. So the semifinal in that scenario would be Cowboys-Vipers and Panthers-Raptors. And then they both, the winners of those games, play the final. So yeah, it all depends on regular season performance. It could end up being Craig Avon and, say, the Raptors, or maybe. I suppose it would be the Raptors, wouldn't it? It would be, as we're looking here. But in Division 1, it's actually a lot less uh, certain. I know Division, especially Division 1 North, they still have, is it four games each, Andre, that they have yet to play? I'll just check and be sure. I think it is, but I'm not going to say yes. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So they have four games each to play. Yeah, so there's still a lot of football to be played in, in Division 1 North. Just from what you've experienced in the south of that division, Andre, especially with the seven-team division, you know how is how have teams kind of shaped up, and uh, you know has anyone caught your eye? Is it a team that's caught your eye, or a couple of players that you've seen in that division so far? 
Yeah, so it, it is quite an interesting division. And like you've said previous, sometimes, uh, regardless if it's this league or any other league, it's, it's hard to predict what's going to happen in the season because things in football change very quickly from year to year. And yeah, you'll get, you, you two will get some grief usually from previous, but uh, it's very hard hard to predict what's going to happen. But uh, yeah, I might, might surprise you with this. I'd say the most fun that I had with one of the teams was uh, Setu. The newest team, and they were really, really happy once they got their first win. They're, they're a really fun bunch uh, in general. Yeah, some interesting teams as well. So let's say on the other side of things, Manitros were just kind of as a as a veteran team. We were expecting them to maybe have as good a result as they do have at the moment. They've been together for a good while. Some some very good players. I'd say some of them you'll see on Wolfhounds, such as Jack Lynch. They also have a very good QB. Connor Brennan, so some, some good options there, and uh, not surprising that they, as they've been together for a long period of time, that they are on top of the division as well. And then, kind of in the middle, a couple of teams that, depending on who shapes up to be there on the day, so I'll have us, Crusaders, Quetzals, UCD, and Wolves. So I'd say for Wolves, as it's also their first season, they've done pretty well. So once you're just kind of getting your team together, you don't probably have a lot of expectations. Where let's say Quetzals, I think it's their second or third season, if I'm not mistaken. They play a pretty interesting brand of football. So again, depending on who shapes out to be there on the day, they have a very interesting offense that I really like. And it's sometimes hard to execute and it takes a bit of practice. So kind of a two QB set. Let's say we didn't know how to defend them in the first game, where we knew how to defend them in the second game. So we adjusted a bit. But it's hard to play versus a 2QB set once you don't see it as often. And then Crusaders also, they were together for a good good, good bit of time. And they also have a pretty good good and a big squad. I'd say uh, Jordan Farrell is pretty good as a QB, but also in general as an athlete as well, rather than just designating him as a QB. And then finally, UCD, I'd say again, depending on who shapes up to be there. So they had days when they were a smaller squad, but also days when they just had a huge squad, squad on the sidelines uh, as well. Every now and then I hear something that I find really interesting and I'm like, I really want to ask this question. You know, um, Andrew, you kind of touched on it there because, I mean, the, you're a coach with the Rebels and, and the Rebels have a, a first team and a seconds team. So you have a great insight kind of across the board in these leagues, as well as being, you know, a coach with the Flag Football's Wolfhounds. So, I mean, loving this wee breakdown, but you mentioned very quickly there the two QB set and that you didn't know how to defend against it in the first game, but you did kind of get a better idea of how to defend against it in the second game. Can you talk about what you did? First game, we were just preparing to play zone defense and then that was kind of our base defense. We didn't have enough time to be very good at man. The problem is we didn't, we didn't practice as many fundamentals and didn't have confidence that we'd be as good the first game that we played them. As we went throughout the season, we knew we were going to face them a little bit later on, so we practiced a bit of, bit more fundamentals, man defense. That really helped to kind of get to certain basics a little bit better. And yeah, that, that worked. So we found a way to kind of simplify it for ourselves and not get into maybe a bit more complex things. And yeah, it worked. Works, yeah, evidently so. Thanks. Yeah, just immediately as I heard that, I was like, oh, I want to know. I have the opportunity to learn here <laughs> because two QB sets are actually very popular over here. And it's it's uh, it's it's very common that you will see that or you'll do like, a, let's say, QB, two people in the backfield and they do these little kind of um, underarm, underarm throws here as the rusher has 
just coming in. So it's it's actually quite difficult to defend again because if you can imagine the rusher comes in, there's a little bit of space in the middle zone. There's this quick little pass out to, let's say, the QB who hasn't got the ball or um, to like a running back there that's somewhere in the backfield. And it just tears up the, the middle inside zone. And uh, so, yeah, that's why I, w- I was wondering what it was that you, that you did to, to overcome that. But anyway, Joe, you were you were going to say something. Uh, yeah, I'm just wondering, uh, Andre, obviously with the seconds team having finished their season seven and three, uh, it's obviously a good reflection of obviously the, the quality of players there. But, you know, it says something to you as a coach when you're generally you think a seconds team would be kind of in that mid table range. But the fact that you've uh, you've put yourselves in pretty good contention for a playoff spot is uh, something to be recognized. Obviously, the Crusaders still have to beat uh, UCD in order to get themselves in. And I believe it's 28 points or something they have to, to win by, or maybe 29 points, or they have to score that many points at least. Anyway, uh, um, yeah. it, it makes it makes it for some some uh, some tense some some tense feelings down in uh, in Dublin maybe. Let's say if you're if you're in a neutral position, that's what you want, and you always want the end of the season to be as competitive as possible. So, yeah, look. We've done our best. We like we've learned from certain mistakes, maybe a bit more than than anything else. But yeah, either let's say us or Crusaders, we went pretty pretty well head to head. And either team that goes ahead it would be kind of well earned as well. Pushing up north, then uh, obviously, as we kind of alluded to earlier, there they all teams still have four games to play, so it's a little bit harder to project. You know how things are going to end up there. Obviously, the Knights are kind of the clear favorite. They're 6-0 and currently. They have the best points difference. They have the most points scored, or the second most points scored, sorry. And obviously a couple of Wolfhounds players there and, and Troilus. So they're looking to be, I won't say safe, but you know they look pretty good there. You're then looking for that second spot. Obviously Jets are 4-2. and two. You know They've been playing well this season. A lot better than I think myself and Robbie had projected. Uh, obviously the, just ahead of the Elks and uh, Giants there as well. So a lot of good football being played up in the Division North. I'm uh, just wondering if you have any insights yourself, Andreas, to you know maybe anything you've heard from the likes of, say, Danary and Shaw, or uh, Nick Simons from up north. Some information. It's mostly up Knights, but in general, it's pretty even in the rest of the teams. Mm-hmm. Say Knights are well ahead, as it's pretty obvious. But uh, yeah, uh, it'd be interesting if somebody else pushes up in the, pushes up in the next game day um, to kind of challenge the Knights a little bit more. Yeah, and obviously. You know, I think the Knights maybe at this stage may want, you know, will want to be tested because coming into playoff season and, you know, it's either yourselves or the Crusaders who they're looking likely at playing if they keep their own form up and finish in that one seed. But obviously you've a test then with whoever gets through into that final. And obviously with the Minotaur staring across you from uh, the top of Division One South, you know, there's a lot of good football players there. So uh, I'm sure every team in, in or every player on that Knights team will be looking for a good test now coming up to November 5th. Just as a bit of a prediction, I suppose, here, who do you see taking that second spot? Uh, in, in Division in, 1 North? In Division 1 North, yeah. Do you see the Elks or Giants making some upsets or do you see the Jets cruising through? Uh, I'm going to say the Jets. Jets for now, yeah. Yeah, Jets for now. The interesting one for me is the Giants. Obviously, they've put up the most amount of points in that division. And I think any time in flag, when you're scoring a lot of points, you're giving yourselves a good chance to win games. It's just the nature of the game itself. So I would maybe look out for the Giants. They'd be my kind of dark horse. But definitely, again, it looks the Knights and Jets seem to be the safe if, if there's any betting people out there. And you can find any mark, any bookmaker that will actually take 
bets and let them if you if you find one give me a shout <laughs> yeah i mean exactly that like even just going purely off the season six and oh four and two the jets i mean they're two games clear of them the next best ranked team let's say in that division so it's very hard not to see them going into that final spot like very hard to go against them at this point so yeah I'd be going with the with the Jets on that one as well. I should say as well a bit of a disclaimer none of this is obviously guaranteed to happen and with the way uh, this podcast has projected divisions to shape up uh, for 2022 <laughs> uh, it could end up and it probably will end up entirely different so uh, we'll yeah, see how that goes. it's going to be the Lions. The Lions are going to win out all the rest of their fixtures and <laughs> scrape into, themselves through. Scrape into it. <laughs> yeah, but it's a hard uh, job to predict, and you, that's exactly what you want. Maybe just turning around things as well and making it interesting by the end of the season. So yeah, why not? That's it. And you know, it's such a short season; anybody can make a run. You know, we'll move up to actually. I tell you what. So we'll stay with Division One for now. So we we've projected. Uh, we seem to be pretty unanimous with Knights, uh, who do we say, Knights, Jets, and we'll go Rebels, Minotaurs, just because we're an interesting bunch here. Yeah, so with that, with those seedings, obviously depending on the way the Jets shape up, but for now we'll we'll keep them as, say, 6 and 4, just for the sake of this scenario here. Say Jets finish 6 and 4, say Knights are 8 and 2. Actually, I tell you what, they're undefeated for now. We'll just make things simple here, just so I don't have to be shouting at anybody in my DMs. They say Knights finished 10 and 0. Uh, so Knights would be the rearranged number one seed in the playoffs. Uh, then it would be Minotaurs, and then it would be Rebels, and then it would be the Jets. So you would basically have a situation where the South teams are playing each other in a semifinal, and the North teams are playing each other in a semifinal. Obviously, different records, that could switch, but for now, just for the sake of Let's say Minotaurs and Rebels second. Who are we taking there? I'll go. Obviously, again, in these situations, you have Andre, who's with the Rebels, and me, who is associated with the Minotaurs as well. So, Kelly, you're probably the only unbiased pick here. <laughs> no pressure. I feel like it would be rude not to go with the, the two teams that the people I'm talking to are associated with, in fairness. But also on that, I, I do think that, I mean, the Minotaurs are kind of really showing their class. They're showing their experience. I mean, Minotaurs have been like a fantastic flag team for so long. I can remember playing against them with the Mavericks. And we were after beating Trinity. I think this win was this 2021. And that was an upset. But we were on fire that day. And we were like, right, coming into the Minotaurs. Got to be honest, not really seeing them then in the same way that we were seeing Trinity. Like we had kind of thought, right, when we met Trinity, like, we were kind of set now to meet, meet the Minotaurs, you know. And I remember they pipped us, I think it was like on the very last play of the game. I can't remember if it was a, a long bomb over to someone, someone lanky, someone like that. And that, that was it. I think that was our playoff hopes gone and the Minotaurs secured. And then this year, I think that they've actually even improved on that. They have some fabulous just design plays, very, very situationally aware of football. I love the way how they use certain players on certain downs. I think specifically, you know, in that center, they use like some Joe Coyne or they use their it's kind of their their bigger boys like and they'll get them to go the five yards, go the three yards, do a quick little pass there and that's coming away every single time. It's a lovely design play when you're first down or your or your scoring opportunity is within five yards. They're very, very good at stuff like that on flag. So I mean I think that's gonna be 
I mean, the, the quality of them is kind of undisputed. Rebel second, I like them. They're one of the few teams that I've seen quite a few few plays from, just the way how they use their, their social media. I think Andre E have a few female players as well, so we must get you to talk about that a wee bit. For me, it's like I love the, the Rebels setup. I'm a big fan of it, kind of across all aspects of AFI. I think that they're a fantastic kind of outfit for the club. They have like youth, they have flag and they have kiddos. And I think that that always works so well. And especially when you have coach and staff like the likes of Andre that are happy to kind of take roles across all three because they are so beneficial and you see it. You see it in the seasons, you see it in the kitted season, you see it in the, the flag season. I think the Rebels are tough, tough one to go against. Probably going to go with them. However, if an upset is possible, it has to be the Crusaders. And this isn't me just like working down the, the table here. It's literally just that I know what the Crusaders are like. They are this explosive team, exciting team, chaotic they're having fun. You can't predict what they're going to do. You know, they could be way back within their own five and they will launch it all the way across the pitch and it will actually work. So if a team is capable of an upset, it is the Crusaders. I don't think for the Rebels that a two game difference at this point is enough that you'd be feeling very, very comfortable. I think it's enough that you have a little bit of a cushion. But yeah, I think that um, the Rebels are kind of going to secure that, that spot. They really have to head down, do their thing. And yeah, and, and the Crusaders probably won't take it from them. I don't see Quetzals, I don't see UCD, or I don't see the Wolves kind of doing it this in this kind of regular season. I don't see them grabbing the playoff spot over the Rebel seconds. I think that the only team that might do it is the Crusaders. Yeah, so I'll agree with you. I think in general that Crusaders have a slightly better shot, although they're at the moment below us. They only have to beat UCD by a certain amount of points to get over us as much as I've, I've looked into it. And I think they have a pretty good shot. So although we're above them in standings at the moment, I think they, the odds will be uh, going towards them to push for the second spot. And that's just be, be, being realistic at the moment. Yeah, so again, that's why we we love uh, this sort of flag football season this year. It's been very tight and obviously anything can change at the last minute with who is in what seed and who's in what place. We're leaving it to right at the very end to, to see if the Crusaders can jump themselves back in and pip the Rebels to the post. But it's definitely going to be a very interesting finish to the season, which uh, as we kind of said earlier, Andre, kind of what you want. From a spectator and kind of a you know an outsider perspective looking in at the league, yeah, it's been great football playing down Division One. Uh, obviously, as I said earlier, a lot of great players and a lot of talented players. So, uh, it'd be interesting to see who gets their chance to come to Premier Division uh, next season. And uh, I suppose kind of on that, then speaking of Premier Division, there's been a lot happening. Obviously, since we last talked about flag, I think there's been. Am I right in saying three teams? that have folded their season or will have to be relegated. Obviously, Trinity is... As oh, yeah. Trinity, obviously, yeah. whoever's been aware in what's happening there, they are officially going to be playing Division One football in 2023. <laughs> and uh, the same for the Rebels' first team, actually. They ended up forfeiting games there. Uh, I suppose, Andre, again, I suppose while you're here, uh, I didn't really think about that coming into the podcast. But, uh, 
while we have you here, <laughs> is, is, it a, is it a player availability issue or is there something deeper maybe that we haven't seen yet? Uh, no, it's just player availability. Some injuries, some yeah. guys were abroad and then we had to forfeit the last game day that was happening. We had a good pool of players when we were starting the season, but you probably are aware kind of throughout the league that pools that pool gets shallower as you go on through the season. Fortunately, we didn't. We came up to a situation where we just had to forfeit the last couple of games. Yeah, so, so that, that's about it. It is unfortunate as well because I had a chance to go down to the first game week in Time and Park, and I think it was with within the first ten plays or something. Uh, Dylan Paisley, very talented corner, popped with me. And it was again. It just seemed to be a bad omen going into the rest of the season for you. I'm sure if this season goes well for you for the seconds team, there may well be Dublin Rebels football and Premier Division flag for next season. But it is unfortunate that 2022 ended the way it had to for you guys. So, but there'll be no doubts of you coming into 2023 as a as a favorite for sure with the amount of talent you have on that roster. Thanks. Yeah. Obviously, then that covers Rebels and Trinity. There's also uh, the Loud Mavericks. They will have sort of reached their forfeit quota, uh, you know, forfeit too many games on, on the season. So they will uh, unfortunately be relegated as well this season. Um, That's why Robbie was unavailable for this episode. <laughs> 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 I will not speak. I cannot speak. <laughs> I cannot speak. I love that. That's the one. <laughs> so, yeah, it is, again, it is unfortunate that. Uh, Another AFI season kind of tainted by forfeited games. Obviously, we <laughs> we spoke about how many how uh, how frustrated I was about games being forfeited during the season or during the kids season. I think it's just unfortunate that it's kind of followed through. Maybe if I'm not on the podcast next year, Kelly, maybe there'll be no more forfeits. Maybe it's just some sort of bad bad luck charm for the league that I'm talking about it. Well, I hope not, because I'm hoping you're going to stay in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's just another thing for me to think about now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, on a bit more of a positive note, we'll have a look at how the playoff scene is is, uh, shaping up here. Obviously, the Eagles kind of started very unusually for them. They were without Matty O'Mara, I think, for the first four games of the season, if I'm correct. So they obviously kind of started off on a back foot. It was kind of an uphill battle for them to make it eventually. But they did finish five and five. Uh, they did make their push in quite close, but they just couldn't catch the Raptors at the end of the day. So those playoff teams in Premier Division South will be the Raptors and the Panthers. Uh, obviously, with Cork City Outlaws still to play games, they could cause an upset to either one of those teams and maybe cost the Panthers the number one seed or maybe the Raptors end up finishing in the second seed there in that division anyway. But it will be an interesting last little kind of final day push to see if the Raptors get in there. I do favour the Panthers there. They have been overwhelmingly dominant in that division i think they have 25 more points scored than any other team and they've i think is it just over 100 points conceded on the year so how well their defense has been playing all year has really pushed them into that top spot and it's kind of kept them there all year so they would be definitely someone to look out for in the playoffs over to division uh actually i'll tell you what while we're here uh, andre are there any players maybe that got got the call up during the season for the Irish Wolfhounds flag football team or anybody that's still on the radar that you know maybe you'd uh, want to give a bit of spotlight to? So I'll just start from the Panthers as as 
we've kind of highlighted them a bit. So, yeah, they have a good few players on their team. So, let's say on the defensive side, Joe, who's been a standout player in general, as well as Ryan Echoes, specifically for my group. So, I think Ryan has impressed a lot. Where probably Dharma is happy with Ryan Hewitt, so he's played very well. And then recently, Sean Carrick, too. Don't forget Barney. Of course, Barney has been kind of one of the people that organizes a lot of things that we do as well. And quite recently, Jamie Leonard has joined, joined us as well, more on the defensive side, but uh, who knows, we might see him on the offense fairly soon. Yeah, and I think it's just, um, again, it's, it's it's that amount of quality coming from one team. It is, um, you know, there's a reason why they've been so good, and it's a reason why they, they get a lot of kind of representation in that Wolfhound squad. Again, with as dominant as they've been, it's hard for players not to stand out. Again, you mentioned Ryan Eccles there. He's been a great receiver all year, and he's been making catches and making plays, and he just creates so much separation, and he creates it fairly quick as well, and it's just... As a QB, he's a guy you always want to be looking out for and, uh, you know, you kind of want to get him the ball in his in his hands and let him make plays, you know? Yeah, agreed. And, and as we went through camps, he has improved in smaller bits. Um, we're working on certain things as well with all of the receivers. But, yeah, he, he really stood out in the camps as well as playing for his club as well. So we're all happy with Panthers uh, staying in that number one seed, I assume? Yeah. Or are we calling for a Raptors upset there? Unless Kelly is calling it, I'm staying with Panthers at, at number one seed. Yeah. No, I'm with the Panthers. This one, they, again, they're another team, I think, that is really highlights the benefit of having a club versus having a team. I think they really kind of nail that. But no, I'm Panthers all the way on this. I just think, you know, you can nearly hear the same names, you know, that crossover into Kiddish, like Ben Arugula is just an absolute beast. Uh, Joe Buchanan as well, who just uh, just fantastic on defense, fantastic. I mean, he he took me at one of the uh, one of the Wolfhound training sessions and just showed me a little bit about what he does when he's on defense, and I just learned so much. And I just think that kind of the combination of the two of them, you put them anywhere, they're very good records as well. You've mentioned him, like he's he's just brilliant, like and he's he's a gas man as well. He really plays like the the mental game quite well like he's very very good at playing that and kind of feeding tension or relieving tension on game day like he's uh he's got that nailed which is also a part of the game plan also a part of the of the team strategy like so I think fair play to them I know they were you know they were eager for us to release this episode because Joe I think yourself and Rob had them ranked uh, a wee bit lower in your predictions oh, yeah. on the season than what they yeah. turned out to be and uh, you know you kind of have to you have to respect that <laughs> so, yeah yeah that, so. but honestly you know what fair like you know I would rather a team that we rank very low you know outperform their ranking and oh uh, you know like even if they're tagging us in stories like, you know fair enough I get that like that. Fair play if you're getting a high, high uh, yeah. exceeding those expectations uh, and getting into a spot this high. Like considering they came up from Division One and yeah. have immediately just gone, okay, we're going to go eight and zero, and by the looks of things, probably go ten and zero. You know, fair play. They've, so <laughs> they've hugely, I agree with you. They've hugely elevated it, and I agree with you. I love that attitude as well. And I never mind being tagged on stuff and having it's fun. It kind of adds to it. I feel like I'm yeah. proud of it. The Raptors, then I think the Raptors have just hugely, hugely benefited from that merger with the Tigers there last year. That has just kind of really kind of brought them forward as well. 
uh, this influx of kind of new raw players. And then I know with the Raptors that one of their star players, Patrick O'Murray, is, is injured now at the minute and is done for the season, unfortunately. So that would be a loss for them. I'm kind of interested to see how impactful that loss will be going forward into the season, if they'll be able to kind of keep it together without them or if that will kind of if that will really hinder them going forward we'll, we'll see remains to be seen you mentioned the, the merger with the, the Tigers you know it's a testament to how much work Todd Zaboyan has got in and put in with those young lads because he has they have been crafted into better football players for sure it's uh, Pater O'Murray he was a baller from day one and I think he just needed a bit of you know a bit of tooling a bit of shaping up and uh, you know he really stood out as someone yeah. who could benefit from great coaching and I think from what he's done so far with the Raptors, you know, it's pretty good work. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Don't worry, not, not to be worried, like we we had our eye on him. So he's very close to, to the squad as well. One other standout Raptor would be Jack Pasquille. Sorry if I mispronounced his last yes. name. Trying my best. As well as you mentioned, Todd. Uh, Todd and Joe Gray had really good seasons as QBs. Season not finished yet, but both of them have been slinging the ball pretty well. Put up some amazing stats. So... Really interesting to see the two offenses, specifically the Raptors. They're they're very creative, and I really like how they use their personnel, motions, formations. Yeah, yeah, really fun offense to watch. Yeah, so obviously when you have that kind of explosiveness on offense, it does it does make you susceptible to earning those kind of upset victories against teams you wouldn't expect. You look at teams coming into the playoffs from the other side. You know, you've got the Vipers and Cowboys. Uh, you know, both in high scoring divisions where you're giving up 200 points each. I think the Vipers are close to 240 points, I think, on the season. So by 24 points a game, you get an offense like the Raptors, who, you know, have these kind of gadget plays and, you know, as Andre said, again, use motions really well and uh, lining up their players really well. That's the type of team who can make an upset in the playoffs, you know? Like, uh, I'm trying to say to you and just give the ball to Chad and let him run it. Well, that's true. Exactly. Yeah. And you mentioned Chad on the uh, Chad Higgins on the uh, Vipers as we move up north. You know, that's a team that has really blown our expectations out of the water. You know, I think myself and Robbie both had them ranked at 11th, I think, in the Premier Division as a whole. So probably I think that would have been last or in the north. And they have secured a playoff spot at second seed. That's it. And do you know what, Joe? At the time, that was a smart ranking. You know what I mean? Like, at the time, that was a good ranking to put them there. But look at what they've done. And it's kind of a credit, I think, to the coaching that's been there. Like, because I know that that team is also made up of a lot of rookies. So just to come into the premier level and to have an upset like that, I think I think the two biggest upsets of the Premier probably is the Eagles go at 5-5 five and five currently, I think is an upset, especially because ahead of the, the final last year, I think they were looking pretty untouchable. And then the second one is, is the Vipers this year, who've kind of just come out of nowhere and ended up getting, you know, like second second seeding at the minute now in the in the um, North Division. So it's just a, an absolute credit to them. And another player, I feel like I, I naturally mention him, you know, every time that we chat about the, the the Vipers and like, do you know who I'm on about that's going to be there now in the, there, whenever there's a, a ball pass, he just seems to have like hands, like friggin' sticky fingers or something. He's like an interception machine. Do you know who I'm on about, Joe? Yeah, I do. I do. <laughs> I know maybe too well, actually, to be honest, <laughs> at, at, this, at this stage in the flag season. I think 
Busty will probably correct me on this. I think he's caught three interceptions off me this season. In fact, I think every interception, bar one, maybe, uh, that I would have thrown. Yeah, yeah, he would have caught two or three uh, off me. So again, but but uh, Darren Quinn, sorry for anybody who doesn't know him as Busty, has more than earned his spot uh, on the Wolfhounds camp and the Wolfhounds team. And uh, I'm glad that he was, you know, kind of honored in that and uh the rest of the coaching staff had kind of you know seen his ability on tape and uh in person and i'm glad that he got that opportunity to prove his worth but uh he's been fantastic this season a guy who is a season and a half ago i think during the it would have been during the what was the name of the cup up north in 2021 yeah, yeah the Donny group international cup yeah that, or invitational cup that's what it was uh international cup <laughs> Um, he was playing D end and you know kind of outside edge linebacker and bigger set obviously and in in such a short amount of time he's put himself into proper really good shape as a DB and he's been playing phenomenally this season so full respect to Busty you know he'll um, he'll rub it in my face in the DMs anytime he gets a pick he'll he'll send me some footage (laughs) that may not go my way but you know it's all part of the game Full respect to him. I think Peter Hamilton has to be given a bit of respect and a bit of love there too. Yeah. He was uh, brought in and had a couple of camps at the Wolfhounds, Wolfhounds trials. And, you know, I think he's he's shown that he can lead a team, especially that game winning drive against us that actually sealed our fate as, as far as um, playoff contention and actually sealed their, their place in the playoffs. We had gone down and scored with, I think, 45 seconds left in the game to go up and be ahead. And, you know, he led a great drive and made sure his players knew when to get out of bounds and, okay, we don't have time out now, so <laughs> you better get your ass out of bounds and don't be looking for any more yardage and keep yourselves in bounds. He led a really, really nice drive down the field and there was some great play calling there too by the guys on the sideline, Paddy Maguire, obviously. They have a really good setup with that flag team, man. A lot better than I was expecting. They were definitely a team that I think pretty much everybody in this division slept on until even even halfway through the season. They're like, oh yeah, you know, we'll get there. And then they just, you know, they kept winning games. And obviously the only team they, they struggled with was the Cowboys. And the Cowboys scored 40 points a game in yeah. a, you know, in, in a division that that is a tough division as well. So they'll put up points regardless. The fact that they won as many games as they did and got themselves into that playoff spot against teams like the Trojans and the Lions and, you know, who are really well kind of organized, uh, structured teams. And you, uh, you put ourselves in the uh, uh, Minute as well. They've done a great job. And I think if you're looking at anybody as, as a winner or a loser from this season, the number one clear-cut winner from this season for me is the Vipers across North and South, across Premier Division and Division One. Yeah, that, that's fair. Even not looking at the record, it's maybe just what you mentioned, the setup and just what... What foundations they're building for the future as well. Yeah. Um I suppose I will I avoid it. talking about the hurricanes? I probably should. But I also should probably. No, <laughs> should should probably. I mean, look, it's not, not the season we wanted, obviously. I had come in to that preview episode back in the team. Did I actually think we were number one at the time? Probably not. I thought we had the capability to be number one at the end of the season, but I didn't think on paper that we were say better than Cowboys or better than i don't know who's across from us i thought maybe fourth in that you know across north and south in, in premier division i thought that would have been a safe assumption uh we've had a bit of a 
topsy turvy kind of start to the season. Uh, I think we started at 0 and 4. We were missing lads through injury. Obviously, Luke McIntyre, Wolfhounds corner. We were missing Jean Luc Tubbard as well, another Wolfhounds guy. We missed Alan Campbell for a week. I've been playing on a bum ankle all year. It's just that type of season, you know, where it just doesn't go your way. And I think next season, with better availability, I think we will be fine. But I nobody's happy with the prospect of maybe finishing the season under 500. And the fact that that is a possibility is not something that we're really, really happy about. But I think with the way we started the season, given that context, I think we'll be happy finishing five and five. But there's going to be a tough test. Obviously, the Mavericks, you never know what type of Mavericks team is going to show up. You know, it could be a team with yeah. with literally five players showing up, or it could be a team with nine or ten and some ballers. You know, like Nathan Harty is, is a you know a pretty good QB, and he can sling the ball down. It's just a case of whether there's anybody else around him that can show up. It can be such a shame. I remember the the Summer Cup just just out of COVID. The Mavericks were real looking great, and they had a bunch yeah. of good, very good squad, which is well, which was very well coached. And sometimes it's just so hard to maintain that. Really, depending not just flag, but really depending on how many coaches and volunteers you have around the club to keep that structure together. Like we've talked about earlier, things around football move so quickly year to year. It's really sometimes hard to maintain that structure. It really takes a lot of work. But yeah, hopefully they, they managed to, to pick it up. They, they really had a very good thing going last year. Yeah. yeah, and I, Joe, I was actually going to mention uh, Nathan Hersey as well because he's he is, he's a fantastic, fantastic athlete and he's so shifty as well. He's one of the hardest QBs in, in my opinion, to actually sack, I think, because he just has that real kind of nifty. He'll let, he'll let the rusher kind of come to him and then he'll move. Just kind of last minute, just moves out of the way. He, it's not that he can't be sacked, he can. It's just uh, hard work trying to do it. And then some of the... Like you said, you just don't know what team you're going to get because some of the players that kind of come in and are absolute, absolute game changers um, are the likes of Declan and Mulhivil, as I always call him. Like he's just, he's a big boy. Do you know what I mean? And he's a big boy on defense. And it's just so hard not to hit him. As the opposing QB, it's so hard to try and find anywhere that isn't Declan, you know what I mean, downfield. He just kind of is, is very, very strong in his coverage. The other one there is Larry Debaskinaz. I don't know, I, I probably botched that, but he, he just has been such a weak killer. Like he just has really, really come on. Young, young player as well, but just phenomenal and definitely has this kind of game face that like just a lovely young lad to talk to and then as soon as he kind of sets foot onto the pitch just his, his whole face changes he becomes like this assassin with uh with one job you know only and for a very young player he has a fantastic range and he has a way of kind of intercepting balls that you just don't think should be intercepted it's from his uh basketball background and he's a fantastic rusher as well because he's just got such speed over like over seven yards it's it's ridiculous and then like Brendan Sims as well I think is always somebody that you can he just is an absolute playmaker and he's one of those when you see him turn up on game day you're kind of going oh no like do you know what I mean because mm. the whoever is covering him is going to have a tough job at it and he is he is no problem playing both ways either like so it, it is it's one of those like look they're not having the season that they want to have it's funny how we, we don't mention Robbie there in the highlights 
<laughs> in those things they're not having the season that they want but they are just one of those teams that can very quickly switch it on you know what I mean let's say next season like they are a team that still has an awful lot of talent there so hope that they can kind of get it back to where, where it needs to be yeah and I think you know as, as uh, kind of demoralizing as being relegated can be I do think that division one gives them a chance to kind of reload like again, you you said you mentioned the the amount of talent they do have. It's just about getting that all together on yeah. you know cons- consistently over a season. If there's a recruitment base there to get even three or four more players that you can say, okay, well we know that we're going to consistently rock up with you know nine players instead of five because when you're rocking with five on a game day, it's a long day. Yeah, if you're playing both ways for both games. And if it's raining at all, it really soaks it all out of you. And you're just there like, Jesus, it can make an awful, awful long day. And I think that kind of turns up players away as well. So next season, if they get a bit of, you know, a bit more membership on the flag side, they shouldn't really have too too many problems in uh, Division 1, especially, again, as I said, with the amount of talent they do have. Uh, Obviously, the other game there in that uh, North Division that is yet to be played is Hurricanes and Lions. Obviously, Lions, who got promoted last year, have been doing pretty well. You know, some close games, they had a pretty close series with the Vipers. You've got guys like Ray Burke, obviously, who everyone knows from Kidded, playing with Panthers. You've got the likes. And the Vikings. And the Vikings, obviously, (laughs) had to to say that. Uh, You've got guys like Max Hardy as well, who's on the Wolfhounds team. Dave Houston, obviously, Speed Boy. You've just Helen got a lot of really Smith talented well. Helen, Yeah, exactly. Helen Smith, who is trying to hand a QB actually now as well for the Wolfhounds flag uh, women's team. Yeah. So obviously, if I suppose now's a good time to mention if anybody's interested, anybody listening to this uh, is an athlete at all, if you play tag rugby or you play American football or you play flag and you just happen to be listening to this episode, and uh, don't be afraid to reach out to the uh, flag team. Uh, you can email, I think it's flaghc or flag underscore hc at americanfootball.ie or you can reach out to the likes of Andre or Dan Shaw or Ian Shaw directly on Facebook or Instagram or whatever. Just let them know what you've played, who you've played for, maybe some tape. That'd be very helpful. But yeah, like we know there's a lot of talented female athletes around the country. Yeah. And we're eligible uh, to play even, for them. Exactly. And like for me, I think this is very exciting. You know what I mean? That for the first time ever, we're looking at having a female, not only just having a female flag football team and trying to get it going, but also having a competition for it to enter. You know what I mean? And I think that that is so important for me. Like much of the driving force of playing flag over here is because I want to try my hand at playing for the Wolfhounds in August 2023. You know, I've chatted to Dan Shaw and a few other people about possibly what needs to be done. And, you know, it's tough because you're away, like you're, you know, I can't, I can, I see how active the Wolfhounds coaching staff is and how many sessions they're having, be it in person or online, etc. And I just think it's fantastic. And that's kind of, it's one of my big goals is to get back to Ireland for August 2023 to also please God be good enough <laughs> because that obviously remains to be seen, but I'm trying hard or whatever. It's just a huge motivator, especially, you know, for me, like I'm 30 now, like I'm just like, this could be, this probably is my only opportunity to ever wear a national team jersey. So I'm kind of putting everything into it at the minute. So it's very reassuring to me to hear things from our director of flag GP saying things like, oh, you know, we have 
25 registered female flag football players in the league. That is a very reassuring thing for someone like me to hear that it's really looking like a Wolfhounds team could be possible. With numbers like that, it could be possible. Andre, in the the Rebels team, you have a few female players. If you want to tell us about them. Yeah, so it was a bit of luck, but also some guys were just kind of bringing their better halves to, to the practices as well. So where it started really is we have a couple of players, very good players uh, from Mexico, QB and a couple of receivers, corners as well. They've moved fairly recently, uh, and I knew that football was big in Mexico, but I didn't know really how big. I know they had college ball as well as I know they were pretty good on the uh, international level. But when they started telling me how many local leagues they have and how big that really is, so let's say a city would have their own league, certain uh, parts of the city would also have their own leagues, then you realize, oh, it's like when I was back home just playing playing five-a-side. That's what flag football is. And then once that group came together and you see kind of a bit of atmosphere around them and then a couple of uh, players from our club uh, were kind of inviting their better halves to come to the practices and really had a good atmosphere at the beginning. So when the weather was a little bit better, we had up to 30, 40 people. Yeah, kind of we introduced an atmosphere where everybody's welcome that can be a bit hard to do in American football, but yeah, we managed at the start, kind of the, that pool really went low in numbers later out through the season, but some players stayed, yeah, they really enjoyed that kind of more fun atmosphere, especially on the second team. It wasn't every, all about the results or being promoted or, or being too competitive. What we've tried to really make the second team about is to have a bit more fun rather than making everything about wins and losses. Yeah, I agree. It's always nice to have a a fun atmosphere of, uh, yeah, I mean, and especially because football is kind of this, uh, you know, it's, it's an egoic enough sport. And even the the flag football that I play here in Singapore, it, it you know, it's pretty intense. Like, you know, it's one of those where the they are, they're inclusive and they um, and they try to keep everyone involved. But I mean, if if I'm not going to catch the ball when it's thrown to me, it's going to be two games before I get another target. Like, do you know what I mean? So I think that they maybe have a little ways to go. And I think that that's the benefit of having a second team is that it is about having having fun and, and being able to go out there and kind of maybe express yourself a little bit maybe of a freer, a freer way than you would be able to otherwise. Anyway, to get back to, I suppose, the actual North Division itself. For me, I think I've said this already, that the Cowboys being top of this league is probably the least surprising thing about it. But Andre, what are your impressions kind of across this whole division? Uh, yeah, I'd agree. Uh, having Cowboys at the top of the division is not surprising at all. Uh, good tradition, also uh, very good history in terms of championships as well. What I'll connect around this division and other three divisions as well, the teams that are pushing for playoffs are, or in the playoffs will have the most consistent quarterback play or guys that have been at the position for at least a couple of seasons. So, And then uh, you'll see kind of more elite quarterbacks really pushing their teams towards the first spots as well. That's really what separates them as well. One of the players on the Cowboys that really has impressed Wolfhounds as well as in his club was Neil Maxwell. He really did uh, improve, let's say, from the first camp towards, let's say, last week. He really did a great job on offense. That's what we focus on more. But yeah, I'd say he was a standout player uh, where Peter Lohan really puts up a high, high standard as a quarterback. And that's not no surprise that they are 10-0 uh, as they are at the moment. 
Yeah, they've been quality all year. Again, as you said, it's the least surprising thing that's happened this year. There's not a true weak spot. There's not a true, okay, we can exploit this guy all game. You know, they lock up Everton fairly well. And obviously their offense is just, (laughs) again, 40 points a game, every game. It's very hard to stop. They've just been playing exactly how you'd expect them to play. I don't think that they'll have too many issues in a semi-final. Although, I tell you what, I would love personally to see a Panthers-Cowboys final. Just because I think with how strong the Panthers' defense has been against, put that against the Cowboys' offense, you know, it's that kind of unstoppable force, immediately movable object. So I'd be really interested to see how that would shape up. Uh, But obviously we have to get to that point first. And I think there may be another episode that would actually break down the actual playoff fixtures when they are confirmed. Uh, perhaps, Cow? Um, well, I mean, I hope so. <laughs> just, that's, that's about all we can confirm right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because I'm kind of just thinking mentally about how much, I mean, like my actual job has started to take off at the minute. I'm like, oh God, I don't know how much time. But, it's I mean, your actual that, job, Kelly. You know, I mean, this is the the aim. This is the hope. If we don't get a an actual set playoff episode done, we will a hundred percent get a end of year episode. Which I think those ones are are really great because coaches, active coaches, you know what I mean, can actually talk about what they do, how they game plan, how they prep schemes, tactics, so on. Actually, after the season is done, because at that point it's it's common knowledge what they did and how they did it. Whereas beforehand, you're kind of tying your coaches into a position where they can't really say too much. But uh, yeah, look, let's see. The hope is that we will do another one once the playoffs are set. And hopefully we do. (laughs) Fingers crossed. One thing that I wanted to say to Andre. So, I mean, Andre, it's kind of to do with flag, kind of not to do with flag. But, you know, so that recently the Irish Wolfhounds kiddos team roster was announced ahead of this team Spain and you know I'm not one bit surprised to see the likes of Greg Johnson and Dave King on that they're youth players that came up through the Rebels and they are flag players as well and I mean the last that I was in Ireland they were also uh, Wolfhound flag players wouldn't be surprised that they're if they're still there but now they're I mean they're on their way to a kid at Wolfhound's team and you there as a, a Wolfhound's coach and also a wide receiver coach with the Rebels, a youth coach as well. I mean, you just have to be so proud of those boys and so proud of the job that you've kind of done there as well. So huge congratulations to you already and to the two lads as well. Yeah, thank you. I uh, really appreciate it. It's, it's more towards what they've done individually and the work they've done with Ty. But yeah, there's another player that has actually come through the youth uh, system but a while ago. His name is Kieran Fitzpatrick. He's playing tight end, so he's one of the, from the older youths before, I'm trying to remember how many years ago, but yeah, he's one of the youth products from the previous youth teams as well. Yeah, wow, I just think, uh, yeah, it's brilliant, it's great the job that you've done, so hopefully now the boys can get it done in Spain. Yeah, it'll be a good, very good experience for all of them in general as a team, and for them as young players as well, so yeah, they've been in some pretty good spots before. Don't doubt they'll they'll make an impact. They should. 
But yeah, it's going to be nice to see them. I'm trying to remember the name of the television. It's a little bit funny name. I think it's Live Vuzela, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, watch the game uh, live there. Yeah, and we'll we'll ahead of Saturday as well on all our socials and, and all. So yeah, anything else that you want to add to the flag football discussion? Any kind of other little bits from any of the of the divisions before we head off? No, I think we've covered pretty much what we what we needed. It was for now. It was a really interesting season. It's a good thing that like the previews to to the result of the end of the season changed so much. So it's hard to predict, and that's where the fun really lays in just kind of certain things things that surprise you. Maybe push for a second spot uh, rather when you were thinking, all right, they might be for a fifth or a sixth. Uh, well, that's that's the beauty of football as well, and hopefully uh, we've kind of as a league build a bit more structure with the youth flag or even get it but yeah let's say flag in general is going in the right direction so hopefully we get a few more teams as well as a bit more stability as well but uh, considering uh, that this is the first season out of covid that we are going in the right direction and it's really nice to see the league growing as well yeah absolute kudos to gp there and to yourself joe because i know that that's one of your 100,000 millionth jobs in AFI at the minute. So you're both doing a great job there. I mean, we have a committee behind us as well and committed coaches from every team and obviously from the Wolfhound staff as well who all uh, put in a joint effort to to push this thing forward. So fingers crossed we keep developing, keep growing. And, you know, by the time 2023 comes around, August comes around, we have a really good depth of talent, not just in our... Not just in our international team, but in our domestic game. Ha ha ha. In our domestic game. Just just secured the signing bonus there. It just secured that bonus, so you did. (laughs) And with that, uh, I think that's that's time to wrap things up. Thank you so much for listening, as always. Uh, If you want to buy us a bit of a cup of coffee, do feel free. It's in our socials. It's in our bios on Instagram. So... If you want to help us out that way or, you know, just keep listening and sharing and liking the podcast as you do, because you know you do. So you may as well share. (laughs) Thank you so much, guys. And obviously, Andre, again, thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure. We have been your hosts, Joe Kinahan. Kenny Dwyer. And not Robbie Caldwell. Cheers. Not Robbie Caldwell.